it's fun. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show, mate. Thanks for having me here. It's uh, it's great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Hey, we have uh, we have a lot to get into. So you and I met uh, last year uh, through Zoom, and I was really impressed by your tech and your story. And so let's start with uh, kind of where you've come from. What, what which, what's going to your background, your story? Yeah. Um, Applied Human Sciences, Bachelor Masters was where I started, spent uh, 15 or so years teaching doctors in anatomy and physiology and biochemistry and all the fun things like that and kind of fell into to business along the way of, of a vision that I had where I really wanted to help the world in a, in a great way and I, I blame my parents for that. I had a really amazing upbringing of we're just always about you know, service and, and being selfless to others and uh, actually uh, ended up an interesting time in my life where I had a, a health challenge myself that ended up getting diagnosed with a terminal illness. And that was an interesting time for me because I thought I, learned, I knew a lot about medicine and science at that time. And uh, that was something I had to encounter and, and learn a lot of new things and really open my eyes to what was possible. And uh, that, that really kind of started the journey that we've been on. So there's, there's a lot of just in that statement I want to get into here. So 15 years training doctors. Yeah, so are you a doctor? Not a doctor, just okay. a health scientist. Okay. Um, but trained, yeah, we do similar things to, to medicine at the start of that. So, I'm assuming this was prior to a terminal illness. What made you want to go that route? And and I guess for frame, you were born and raised in Australia. Correct. Um, Sydney area? Uh, Adelaide, actually. Down the Ad bottom in the middle. Adelaide down the bottom in the middle. Yep. Okay. Embarrassing. I don't know my Australian geography that's too well. That's fine. That's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how far away is that from Sydney? Uh, it's probably about a... 10-hour drive, two-hour <laughs> flight, something like that. It's a little long, bit of a long short ways. walk, yeah. <laughs> How big is uh, Adelaide relative to the other the other towns? It's, it's pretty small. Okay, That's okay. why no one's ever heard of it. it. You get off the hook. No one really right. knows too much about Adelaide. Okay, so so born and raised there. What made you go the route you did? I was actually, I remember back in high school, you had to pick something that you wanted to go to university, and I was lucky. I, I, was, I always got good grades without having to do a lot of work at, at school, and I love sports. So I was like, oh, what's something I could do that's all about sports, that's yeah. all around things. And I enjoyed the, the geeky things like physics and chemistry and maths and all that sort of stuff because I found them interesting. So, yeah, I just decided to go and do something to do with science and sports. And that's kind of where I started off. What do your parents do? Um, parents, my dad's a school principal. Okay. He was, yep. uh, and my mum was just doing sort of admin support jobs throughout her, yep. her life till she retired as well. Yep. So definitely not in medicine, definitely not in health, definitely not in science. But teaching. Teaching, absolutely. Right. That came Great through. teachers. And uh, as I said, I, uh, I give all the credit for, for who I am today. And the way I think about things and approach life is definitely due to the, the incredible upbringing I had. And do they still live in Adelaide? They do. Yeah. Uh, and all my family's just moved back there. So it's, it's nice to have everyone around. That's so funny. I just moved back to the small town I grew up in, bought a house there. And I promised myself I would 20 years later. We're back up there. My graduating class had 154 people in it, so oh, wow. 3,000 people. So I can relate to that on many levels. What sports did you play? Uh, mostly uh, well, football, if you know Australian rules football. Yep. I grew up playing Australian rules football. Uh, tennis and surfing were kind of my main mm, things. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And basketball as well. A little basketball? Yeah, basketball, tennis. But how did that tie? You, you mentioned sports and kind of medicine or science, the geeky. And I love that, putting the two together. That isn't those two don't always play well together, right? And it seems like you, you like sports, but you're also really into science. But how do those two come together in what you did, yeah, training doctors? Literally came together in that. Like sports science was the, the first uh, ah, thing I, I yep. uh, encountered. So I, I did a major, well, the equivalent for a 
major in sports and in psychology through my applied science degree. Sports medicine? Well, sports medicine was yep. essentially the, the track. Um, and, uh, yeah, then I went on to do a master's after I finished the bachelor's. Uh, just really fascinated in the human body. I, I just still to this day cannot get enough. It's just the more you learn about it, the more fascinating and mind-blowing it is as to how every part of our cells work. It's just it's phenomenal. So kind of a, a tangent question here. i got a lot of things to get into. Knowing what you know about might be a, a weird turn. Knowing what you know about the body, how is how easy is it for you to get behind the idea of this all being a spontaneous accident? You mean the human body? <laughs> that's a that's a really interesting question. I um I don't actually know how to answer that because there is like there is no way it's just not even fathomable you could have this as a spontaneous accident. Yeah. Like just not even possible. Like it is so intricate design in the detail in the function yep. like the physiology the biology just everything how it works together is incredible i agree and i'm not i haven't studied nearly as much as you had but the the more i get into biology what i see is clear design right like there's an intelligence there there's like no way this works without intention i was sitting in the my hot tub last night with my wife and we were watching a spider build a spider web at night right which is intentional and how perfect and geometric it was. And I'm like, how does anyone look at that and go, oh, yeah, this was just, you know, problem solving or like, you know, uh, survival of the fittest process of, of uh, elimination. I'm like, yeah, I don't see that. Well, I've got, um, I'm not sure where this podcast is able to go, but I've got an interesting. You can go anywhere theory. at once. Okay. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you're ready for this. Please indulge. So I agree with you. Like the intelligence behind our biology is mind blowing. And I've been interested in the question you asked as well for, for many decades actually about you know, where does this all come from? And so what I've found, and this is a, a theory or a hypothesis, is every major religion on this planet believes that there is something greater than us. 100%. So yep. we've got a sack of skin that's sitting here on these chairs right I now. Called a meat suit. Meat suit, whatever yep. you want to call it is fine. But there's something greater than us and we all yep. believe that. Yep. Now, each different religion has their own different beliefs around that. So yep. when this sack of skin or meat suit decides to die, there is a spirit that either goes to heaven or hell or gets reincarnated or yep. yeah, whatever the belief might be. And it's a whole bunch of different beliefs. And by all means, this isn't having a go at anyone with any different religion. It's actually the opposite. Everybody believes the same thing. There's something greater than us that carries on after we die, Yes, which then gives rise to the fact, well, it must have come in at the start to then be able to leave at the end. Yes. Interesting, right? So this conversation all around, like, why are we here? Which is a conversation I always talk about, and people ask me a lot. So why are we here? Well, there must have been, if we're all, so the spirit exists that's greater than our body. Let's say we're both floating around up in the cosmos, whatever that looks like right now. I'm like, hey, Sebastian, what are you up to today? And you're like, oh, I think I'm going to head down to Earth and grab a body. Yeah, for like, sure. What are you up to, Matt? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm going to head down too today. Yeah, oh mate, I'll see you down there. <laughs> awesome. Like, you're going to grab a meat suit. I'm going to grab a meat suit. I'm like, oh what? Like, why are you heading down there? What's the reason? What's the purpose of you heading down there? And you're like, oh, I'll tell you when I get down there. I'm like, okay, I'll do the same. And so we both come on down as spirit. We've come into this body. Now, if you had a reason and a purpose for being this spirit coming into a body, you're going to pick a body that's going to be able to do whatever you're here to do. 100%. The right? conditions so, necessary for you to fulfill your purpose. So let's say, hypothetically, you're coming down to be a sprinter. You're going to pick a body that's taller, thinner, leaner, 
can, can run as fast as Usain Bolt, you're like, that's the body I'm picking because that's what I'm on the planet to do. If I'm coming to pick a body to be a weightlifter, I'm coming down, super big frame, big bones, big muscles, lots of fat, probably like lots of things like let's go pull some trucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, cool. So we're both picking the bodies, our biological vessels, these yes. stacks of skin, to be able to live and fulfill our purpose, our spiritual purpose of being on the planet. So I find that really interesting when you ask, hey, is this just a, a chance? I'm like, actually, you know what? I think my hypothesis is that spiritually we actually pick these biological vessels that we're in for a purpose and our actual bodies and biology holds the keys and the information and the intelligence for us to actually fulfill our purpose for being on the planet. So I'm just going to start there as this opens up a whole interesting conversation. I don't know how deep you want to go, but we've actually gone and tracked and measured some of this and I'll share with you a little bit about the technology that we build as we go. But the preface of this was, could we actually build a technology that could translate and try and interpret something that's greater than our body that's there and how do we actually approach that conversation? Well, the, the best way we can interpret anything from a spiritual connection, message, whether it's from God, our higher self, the universe, whatever the belief system is, is through our minds to then interpret. I, I call our, guy, our minds Google Translate. Yep. So we've got our Google Translate that's like, oh, whatever the information is that exists out there somewhere, we translate that down to our body, our brain, and then our body, and we just go and do whatever we do. We wake up in the morning, we do stuff. Yep. And then we go to bed and then we wake up and we do stuff. So somewhere we've got some directional system that's giving us some information about that. So the hypothesis here was what if like we are assuming Google Translate, the mind is the thing that can't really interpret properly all this amazing spiritual information and our body just shows up and does whatever our mind tells us. So what if there was a way we could bypass our mind that said, let's just put that on the shelf for now and we could just get information directly from spirit yes. into our body. Yes. So that's what we went to. We set out about uh, maybe six years ago. We, we had this... Uh, hypothesis i was very interested in it uh, back then i'm still in today but we went and said okay let's build an intelligence that can actually try and translate or understand our biology that can fulfill uh, that could measure and quantify its full capacity to do certain things and then is there a way that we could actually look at the keys and break down a lot of different aspects of that to get some intelligence about what that could look like what's possible for this body to perform what's what's it capable of doing and again the analogy of are you here for a weightlifter or a sprinter is interesting to look at. So we actually went through that and we had a whole bunch more information that came up down to the point where we could look at the cellular function of the body and know what it needed to do to be able to fulfill its full capacity. And so we invited a bunch of people to come along um, to this thing and said, well, it's not just for, for a day or two, it's actually for 30 days. So we said, as a bunch of people, if you want to come along on Matt's crazy adventure, <laughs> we're going to track you and measure you like lab rats for 30 days, uh, come along for a month and hang out. And there's only one condition, you have to check your mind at the door, which says that whatever you think, whatever you believe, whatever you know is immediately irrelevant. And you have to actually show up and this AI is going to tell you stuff to do every day, all day, every day, and you have to do it. And that's our best way to say, is there some intelligence there that we just show up and do without our mind judging it or believing it or not yes. believing it? And it was incredible. It was off the charts. We filmed the whole thing. We fully you know, measured up with biometrics and everything like that. And people were just coming into this space of flow like we've mm. never seen it before in days, complete flow. And the downloads and information that were coming through people was off the charts, like next level. And what we saw is not just individual flow and full alignment group with flow. health. We saw group flow. Yeah. And we saw that just coming in incredibly. It was yeah. it was unbelievable to watch and observe. Um, so that, that was just, again, and there's a lot of things we could 
dive deeper down the rabbit hole on that. But that's just to, to expand a little bit some of the things we're interested in looking at, which is a bigger conversation. There's, I believe there's a purpose for us being on the planet. Yes. I believe there's something greater than us. Yes. I believe in God, but yep. I be- also believe that everybody's religion is right. Yeah. So there's something greater than us. But I believe that there's keys in our body and biology that we can actually quantify right now and measure that give us so much insight about what we're here to do and how we can go about that. And I think that's a really powerful thing for most people and a lot of people to really start to understand. Imagine if you could have that insight, that information, how that would change your life trajectory as to what you can do. So that's a, a little bit more color well, on that. Beautiful. I'm, I'm, this is uh, so much more my flow. So you probably don't know that, but this is that's my jam. I'm like, oh, interesting how these things fall. Um, are you familiar with Gene Keys? No. Oh, you'll have to look it up. I'll send you okay. some material on it. The, the, I forget the dude's name at the moment, but the guy who created Gene Keys had the exact same philosophy that it, our purpose is literally built into our genetic code. Um, and so he created a process to be able to extrapolate that. That has, I found, um, experientially, I found to be quite useful and pretty, pretty incredible. So I love this. And our, our mind very often is what limits us from seeing what is, right? So it's, and the great mystics all know that, that, you know, there's an old saying, I think uh, Meister Eckhart gets credit for saying, I'm paraphrasing, but theologians may debate and struggle, but the mystics are all speaking the same language, right? It's like there's a deeper understanding at that level, and and it's the surrendering of the mind, right? And that's that's generally when you look at people who are deep in their spiritual craft, the, the mystics, essentially, of the different religions, they are the process of surrendering mind, right? Using it as a tool but recognizing its limitation. And so I think, you know, as we're going to get into AI here in a little bit, and there's a lot of discussion around AI and is it good, is it bad? One of the things that we've been talking about is that it it removes the biasy, at least theoretically, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, of the emotional condition of the mind. So, or the, uh, Daniel Kahneman, Daniel Kahneman just wrote a book um, called Noise, which is fantastic. Uh, he wrote Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, I believe is what it's called. Before that, he's a Nobel um, Nobel Prize winner. Um, incredible dude. But he's pointing out in the book Noise that the mind is highly inconsistent in its process of thinking and making decisions. And awareness of that is the first step in learning how to clean up the noise. And he gives examples like if you were uh, on parole, the time of day that you go in to meet with the parole officer or meet with the judge or whoever it is that makes that decision to get you out has a massive impact on whether you get out or not. Like the time of day, because it's like if it's right before lunch, you're, 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 you're going to be in trouble. If it's right after lunch, you're probably in better shape. It's like the conditions around the individual is part of the reason why they make decisions they do. So it's highly subjective, which we know, right? But it, in some ways, I think that's part of the experience of Earth is this, and you know, Einstein obviously brought this up with relativity, and we went from Newtonian physics to Einstein, Einsteinian physics in this idea of relativity, and that this is a highly subjective world, but it creates outcomes that are also, as, as Daniel Kahneman says, very noisy. And so my, one of the things I was thinking about is AI potentially wouldn't have that noise because it doesn't, at least in its current state, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, it doesn't have all of those factors that are impacting its ability to reason. And I don't worship reason and logic as if it is the ultimate intelligence. I think there's multiple kinds of intelligence, including a, a more of an intuitive sense of intelligence. But 
it doesn't have all of those conditions that have an impact on its ability to see the truth in that moment, right? Or to see what's most obvious. So what are your thoughts on that? So I love the, I love this conversation too. And the thing that we've observed, so we've been, um, you know, building and growing this technology for almost 20 years. It's, um, mm. we've been right on the front curve of all the AI that's become more popular recently. And the answer to what you're saying, it's a bit more complicated. I figured that on the surface <laughs> but it's it's quantifiable and so what i mean by that is yes you're right in does the time of day who you you see the guard if it's before lunch or after lunch make an impact yes however it's different for different people right and so what we really focus on is the message of personalization and precision is so powerful because you are not like somebody else your mind if we're talking about the mind context here is so different to somebody else's mind and there's a whole bunch of different layers in that. So not just the standard conversations around your conscious mind and your subconscious mind and your superconscious mind. It's actually looking at the details of like the construct of what's programmed when you're younger, but also how you actually observe the world as you go. And it's actually comes down to your biology. Again, this piece about biology, your biological construct uh, of how your neurons are actually wired, the length of the neurons, the depth of the synapse um, firing, the different regions that light up in different ways, the dominance that you have in different areas actually help dictate the patterning that you have into your system, which then goes into your subconscious, which then you know, creates reality and those sorts of things that we already always talk about. So it's it's quite different for different people. And so, for example, there'd be a guard at, at this example that's there before lunch. A guard, let's have guard A and guard B. Yep. Guard A you want to get before lunch. Yep. Guard B you want to get after lunch. Yep. So these are the, the things like, so you'd have to know then the guard and then the timing that's there. And what that impacts or how that actually translates to the conversation around the mind is um, I completely agree with your conversation and, and, and most people in this world um, around the concept that the mind can be our limiting factor or can be our you know, most empowering factor. Yep. Um, but it depends. And the thing that I, I'm really passionate about is just helping people understand their minds. And as you shared, the, you know, awareness is the, the first step. It's for me, awareness is always the first step. Yes. Because once you have awareness, then you have choice. And once you have choice, then you can take action. Yes. And then things can change. So Brilliant. It's, it's so important to find that out. And what we're doing with the technology we'll share more about is helping you actually quantify your mind. Like, you know, from, and we'll talk about this in a minute from the scan of the body, you can actually understand how your mind works, not your brain, but your mind works, how you would then go and use your mind for mindfulness because it's different for everybody the standard you know, meditations aren't the best thing for everybody. Yes. There's different ways and better questions you can ask um, to be able to get there. But the concept of the mind being the, the enabler or the blocker uh, or the empower is so true to how we show up physically. Um, but my wish for everybody is that they can actually understand their mind and the power of that and not necessarily just get caught up in the problems of the mind, which is what we usually hear about all the time. Here's your beliefs, here's your programs, here's the problems with you that show up in the ways that are there. Uh, but it's actually the mind is the most amazingly powerful. Hundred percent creates so much in terms of potential. Yes. And what if we could be aware of the things that are limiting us, change those quite quickly and easily, which is what we're actually also doing with AI, and then actually focus all our time with Sebastian on the power of his mind and the things he can create with that, which is the reason and the purpose. Coming back to that, why he's on the planet. Now that's a conversation that's quite exciting. And interesting. So I, I, I'm holding myself back here because there's a lot of things I want to get into, but the the idea of awareness is my first book, which hopefully will be out by the end of the year. I 
the whole entire my entire first book is on awareness because the consultant me as a, as a, a business consultant the, the question I'm always trying to solve for whoever I'm working with is what is the one thing that if we solve for solves for the most other things what is the highest leverage activity so when it comes to awakening or enlightenment or or mastering your mind or being able to be the creator of your world right shifting from to me consciousness to for me consciousness or beyond that it's becoming aware right? and there's a there's a big study that was just done that found that 85 percent of people are unaware right which is really funny because in, in the, the the world of awareness there's really two types of people people who think they're aware and people who are aware right, right? it was there was another study that found that 96 percent of people believe that they are self-aware which is okay well there's our problem yeah. <laughs> when in fact less than 15 percent are right i would say those statistics in my experience would be pretty accurate yeah my too as yeah my, my experientially i'm like yeah that sounds about right so this is super fascinating to me because maybe i'm jumping way ahead here and i wasn't planning on going this direction and i'm obviously very excited about che and we're going to get into that at some point but kind of what you're what you're framing up for me now is something i hadn't occurred to me before and it almost sounds wild to say out loud but I'm almost hearing about creating a, an intelligence that can assist the human in becoming more enlightened, more, more aware, more conscious, more the creator of their world, right? It's like a, it's a way to help train the mind. Because You're right, right? Like, to your point, there is variability between guard A and guard B. And, and we don't have a way that's part of, and, and the example that uh, Kahneman is giving there, why that's frustrating is that literally could be the difference between the guy getting out of jail and being in jail for another 10 years. And that's a wild amount of, of variability, right? That isn't, it isn't rational. It isn't logical. It's simply chance, right? Which we, maybe we could talk about that, but, but having a, a, an intelligence then that would help mitigate potentially eliminate, but maybe strongly mitigate those factors, I think is incredible. Like the potential of with that, I think is incredible. It, the potential is incredible. And, and um, you touched on something that is worth touching on and, and it's around the consciousness piece because there is a much bigger conversation around and, and we will talk about, Shay, this might be the longest podcast you've ever done. This will be a three-hour <laughs> podcast. I hope you guys are all listening in solidly here, but it'll be interesting. Um, so the piece around that, like, just going back to the guard A and guard B, there's actually a guard A and B and there's a guard C and a guard yeah. D and a guard yeah. E and a guard F, <laughs> right? So that's that's where we start. Like we've actually, as we quantify people now, we actually bring their phenotypes, which is the expression of their genes, into different subgroups of people. Like so I was going to ask about this. Have okay. tendencies that are similar to each other uh, and then tendencies that are similar to each other. No one's ever the same. Everybody's yep. completely different and unique. But some people are more similar that you know with each other than other people who are the opposite side of this sort of 40, 360 degree graph yep. that that's built in the AI. And then that's just sort of some six starting wedges. And then inside each wedge, there's five degrees of those wedge, which makes there's 72 different subgroups. And then each one of those is one degree, which means it's 360 and so on and so forth. And this keeps going Understood. infinitely. So well, what's the starting, what's the starting base? How many? So the start we talk about now with people is six. Six. And okay. We, we bring awareness. So you were being specific when you set up to F. That's we, so we actually started 72 with teaching people. And it was too much. Everyone's just like, this is too much. So we bring, just do the six now. Far more manageable. It's, it's a great starting point for people yeah. to become aware about things. And then they can delve down the rabbit hole a bit deeper. But the interesting thing about that is this isn't just from a biological point of view. This is also from a behavioral point of view and a consciousness point of view. 
And so we have, for example, let's talk about consciousness. Let's talk about our beliefs and our programs which dictate our lives and create our realities that, that we're talking about. And so as part of that, that conversation that's there, let's say we both, you and I both have an issue, you know, a belief that we have, which is we're not worthy, which is very yeah. common for a lot of people. I, I'm pretty there. sure every human being every drops person. in having to confront that question. Am I worthy of love? Al- Am- almost every person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Almost every person. In fact, there's about one sixth of the, one out of the six that doesn't usually have that and about five out of the six it does. No way. Yeah. You've been able to quantify this. We actually quantify beliefs. One out of six doesn't deal with that question. Doesn't deal with Is it. there another predominant question that they deal with? Yes. Which is? Well, there's there's a lot of different layers. So um, we, we look at the seven different layers roughly of beliefs. So there's you know, thousands and thousands that are there. And we've actually quantified the different beliefs into the different sub, subgroups of phenotypes that are there. Um, and so now we can predict down for the superficial layer of beliefs leading down to the core beliefs that are there as to why people do what they do and how yes. they act in those certain ways. So um, those those are like that one sixth of people is usually around being right and wrong. So it's around importance. <laughs> um, is there peace that's there? So they already feel worthy. They just need to be right. Um, yeah. It's there. So there's a, uh, there's a lot of different um, ra- rabbit holes we can go down through here and there's different ways that beliefs feed superficial beliefs and vice versa but so i've never been able to quantify that but anecdotally i know that to be true i've experienced that and i i've explained i'm a huge gamer um i love rpgs and i and i for a very long time i felt like when you when you walk around earth and you interview interface with people there's like they're like npcs they fit into like when you start a video game there's normally you know an array of characters you can choose from, but there's only those characters you can choose from. And then when you're playing the game, every character in the game, one way or the other, is based on one of those original designs. And I've always wondered, because like, and obviously it's experiential anecdotal, and then I'm like, is my own brain just doing this because it wants to find ways to create relation between things, so it's categorizing, or is there something more to this? But I've always felt like people kind of fit into different groups of people and that there was probably a number, but I hadn't spent the time to quantify what that number was. So it's it's wild to just hear you go, yeah, so there's there's six group and those six turn into 72. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have a problem assimilating that. That that makes sense to me. It, but one out of six or more, if I'm hearing you right, they're they're very black and white, right? They're, they're they have a very right and wrong way of looking at the world. The, the one out of six do, yes, yes. absolutely. Yep. Yep. They're, they're, um, they have that very much so. They're very, I mean, and then the behavioral traits that come with that are very obvious, right? Yep. So these are people who are very confident, Yep. They have a strong belief in what they say. They're always right, which means they might be derogatory towards other people. They might tend to be control freaks yep. um, because they believe that what I see and what I know is the right thing, so we should all do that. Um, so there's a lot of different things we can unpack towards that. But when when you start to quantify these things, it, it, it means that you can then extrapolate a lot to these different behavioral predictions uh, about people that are really powerful for them to help empower themselves to do it. And just to build on the, you know, the guard A, B, C, D yeah, area yeah, yeah. is... You mentioned something before about you know that, that logic and reasoning is a form of intelligence, but you believe there's other intelligences. This is what we quantify because there is there's about two out of those six that are built and and uh, literally designed for logic and reasoning, uh, yep. and they're the two that generally run the world and, yep. and do the business. And so that's why the rest of the world has to be based on logic and reasoning, which is why your your example about the you know the the uh, prison system is all based on logic and reasoning, and and based on that's how we decide if you're going to jail or not going to jail. But there's actually four out of the six that aren't based on logic and reasoning, and they're based on things completely different. And two out of those six are based 100% on makes sense. emotional yes. aspects, which yes. is you, you mentioned about like you know gut reasoning or 
yeah. intuitive sense. Intuitive. Emotional intelligence is like oil and water with the other group, right? right? It's and this is why we have so many problems in the world because our logical two out of six don't get that stuff. Right. And we've, you know, we meaning the two out of the six have gone and created most of the systems and structures in the world in business and so inherently system, creating and then expect everyone else to fit in with those logical yeah. things. So it's, it's something that's just really powerful to understand that because a lot of people do operate and make their decisions based on intuition, based on their gut feel, yep. different to logic and reasoning. Yep. And the logic and reasoning people could say, that makes no sense. Why did you do that? That makes no sense at all and can get quite frustrated. Yeah. Whereas the other person can quite feel quite frustrated being like, why are you asking me these questions? I don't know the answer to this. Like, Right. There, and I'm sure anyone listening to this has either experienced that themselves or They're friends one or, the other. or husbands and wives. Husbands and wives are usually the, the example I go to. It's like right. generally the, the woman, not always, but that the woman is the more intuitive one and the man is the more logical, rational one. And how often it's like if you learn to trust your wife, you're like, man, like you, we just dodged a massive bullet because you felt something that I had no way to even... But, it, but it's difficult, right, for people because you get to the fork in the road and go left and right. Oh, and, yeah. And, and you're there with your wife. You have and to she's learn like, to trust. I, I feel like we should go right. And you're like, no, no, we definitely should go left. <laughs> and you're like, no, left. I've seen there's sun shining. There's like a smooth road. Yep. And some dude before on the track said go left if you get to the fork. So I've got the data logically I've got that the says data, yes. we're going to go left. And she's like, yeah, I just feel like we should go right. Yeah. And then we're like, feel? And feel right what? so is it yeah are we, like i guess yeah, i'll meet you there yeah. or, or uh, i'm gonna get in trouble if i don't go right but I, or i'm gonna like overpower and say no we all go left like what do you do who's right who's wrong so this is really interesting territory to know that the fact that people you've are designed and we can quantify this now right now in 2023 how we're actually made up in those ways and if you're someone who is the emotional or the gut feeling person versus logical person and then give you really strong and clear tools and techniques you can use to help empower you to do that. And so I believe we're a little bit way off in terms of society and how we're going to actually navigate that because we don't get it. We're just logic and reasoning. Yes. And we just sort of shun everybody else who's not that. And then yes. everyone else feels like they're not good enough and all the problems with worthiness they have for not being this. Um, it's a bigger conversation to navigate as, as humanity. But uh, it's really interesting to know that everybody's different. We can quantify that and you can become aware of that to then make choices and actions based on that. It, and to me, that's uh, this is such a beautiful, man, uh, this is a great conversation. To me, this is a a beautiful indication of design, right? So when I when I hear, you know, there's these, and there's a sixth group, and I want to get to them because I have a feeling you're going to answer the, the, the one that I, I think I resonate with. But the, you have these two groups on either side. To me, in the, in the, the American or the U.S. political system, we have a bi-party system. And I, every year, July 4th, I read George Washington's farewell address. He was the first president of the United States, the founding father. And he, he basically pr prophesies the issues we're going to have as a country going forward and how we're going to have to deal with them. And the bi-party system versus a multi-party system was designed in its purest expression, which we could certainly debate whether that's functioning right now or not, uh, but was designed to be a check and balance so it doesn't get too far out of direction either way and when i hear this I, I hear the same thing by design it's like the two come together and are at their strongest in expression when they work together not against each other and that we learn to lean into each other and and, and appreciate both kinds of intelligence and I'm, I'm a massive history buff and i look i'm just thinking in western society which we both grew up in this really happened during the Enlightenment era, right? Where we went, and I get why, because before that it was so woo-woo and so the other side that people were getting abused and manipulated 
by the intuitive emotional side, right? And so then we went to this, the age of reason and logic, which has brought in beautiful technology and development, the modernization of society, which we could certainly debate some of that, whether that's good or not. But overall, I think has been an incredible expression. But it's the old saying, when you react to air, you very often end in more air, right? It's like the, it swings too far the other direction. And so to hear that we have technology that can help us quantify this, understand this, and then I'm hoping teach us how to reintegrate and learn to trust and use both kinds of intelligence is incredible. So I'd love your thoughts on that. And then I also want to hear about the six group that you didn't mention yet, because I have a feeling that's going to answer another question for me. Sure, absolutely. Well, I think just to, to touch on one last piece around this yeah. with the, the consciousness part of it, because it is such an important conversation. And um, I mean, this conversation itself that we're getting through, you can already start to see the bigger perspective as to why we do what we do. Um, yeah. We're not trying to create a health app. It's like well, nothing, this is changing my perspective <laughs> on many levels, and I was already right. really excited. So this is incredible. So it's really powerful, and and one of the things that we're working on right now, um, coming back to the conversation around, hey, if we both had the belief about not being worthy, for example, how would we go about that? Well, your mind is created very differently to mine. It's made up very differently. Your subconscious programming and patterning is very differently. The way you need to change or shift or reprogram that is very different, actually, as well. And people just don't understand this right now. Like nobody in the spiritual space or the conscious space understands that changing beliefs should be personalized yes. in a way that's there. We don't even know that in medicine, right? We're still very archaic and we're treating medicine, not to jump, but it's, it's the personalization piece is missing everywhere. It's missing everywhere, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, it, it's it's now, it's confusing in health. It's not even present in consciousness. <laughs> well said, yeah. And spirituality yeah, yeah, yeah. is like, we'll yeah. see you in 20 years yeah. and talk about that. <laughs> we'll come back and do a yeah. podcast on yeah. that. <laughs> um, but it's one of my most interesting topics is personalized spirituality, actually, which is, is fascinating. But uh, precision consciousness is a big project we've been working on for quite a while. Um, and it's so important for what we've done. And we're integrating AI with that. And what that means is there's an AI that is here that can actually be the equivalent of a therapist that's there yeah. to do digital therapeutics that can walk through things like CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy yep. and many, many other great uh, tools and techniques to go through. And let's say your problem you know, with worthiness stemmed from, you know, I don't know, something when you were three years old and you got under the age of seven, typically. Yep. Typically uh, I got programmed with something else that was there to do with, you know, my, and, and it doesn't have to be big things. You could have some serious trauma that you know, re resulted in some, you know, significant physical injury to your a friend maybe for me my brother got a bigger christmas present than i did it doesn't our mind doesn't actually care too much about what the thing was right it's the conditions are less it's relevant the, it's, it's the, the how meaning we, we attach yeah. hence the belief yeah. we have and so how we go about that this therapist if it was actually a live therapist would need to go back and if they understood how your mind worked compared to mine they're going to go back and need to paint a very visual picture for you sebastian let's put you through some hypnotherapy take you back to when you were three can you see who's there can you see your mum? What was she wearing? What can you smell around the house? Those sorts of things that are there to make sure you can connect because you'll be more of a feelings-based person that's here to be able to actually help your mind connect with that to shift something that's there. For Matt, it'll be based on direct logic and reasoning. Yep. Hey, Matt, did you realize that your mum, your brother didn't actually, or your mum didn't mean that when she gave your brother the biggest present? It was just because that was there at the time. That's all they could afford and the box was just bigger. Your present was actually more expensive. I go, oh, okay, that's cool. Reprogram done. So even the way we approach things, and if we switch that up and you got the logic and reasoning, it wouldn't work to change your belief. If I got the, the visual and the, then it wouldn't work for me. So just even shifting beliefs, which is still in today's age, a pretty progressive concept. Oh, right? yeah. For people who've been doing it for a long time, we've been doing this stuff for, you know, for 15 plus years on various treats and things. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty simple process. It's not actually very hard to do to change someone's belief. However, 
if you don't use the right tool method or the t- right tool, it doesn't actually work or it works for a short time and isn't actually. It only works for X amount of group of people at scale because right. you it's he who's good with the hammer sees everything as a nail. You know how to do this really well. You're going to attract this group of people, but you're a hundred percent right. As, as a, as a coach, I have to have many tools in my toolbox to reach different people. And there's a certain element of, of, intuiting what tool somebody needs based on how I'm interfacing with them and how they're answering these questions because it isn't a one size fits all. And, it, and that's why it's, it's tricky in many cases to give one size fits all answers because it doesn't fit for everyone. There's very few things that fit for everyone because there is a highly personalized aspect of this. And I would offer by design, going back to your original point of we drop in here for a highly personal reason, right? Thus our experiences are highly subjective the world we're interfacing with is highly subjective and very personalized to what we need. And so I love this idea of, of personalized spirituality or personalized consciousness. And I 100% think this is the future. Just organized religion is going to freak out over this because it likes an element of control and standardization that I think, I think at some level of consciousness served humanity. I may be wrong about that. I'll raise my right to take that back at some point. But it holds particular truths, but in this next uh, iteration of human consciousness, I think you will see more of a, I think a couple of trends you're going to start to see, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. One is more of a, a personalized path to spirituality. And sometimes that can get weird because you'll see that get abused, but I think they, everything gets abused, right? Or, or misused maybe is the better word. The other thing I think you're going to see, and we're touching on right now, is you're going to see science and spirituality come back together, right? Where they were blasted apart. Maybe we could say they were never together, but I would say they were at least blasted apart as a result of all blame in Western society, the Catholic church. Um, My Catholic friends may not like that, but um, just this extreme control and, hey, we know everything, just do what we tell you to do and throw out your brain. and, And we don't care that Copernicus thought that the, you know, the world is, the universe is heliocentric. We're going to believe that it's geocentric and they throw them in jail. All these things that led to, well, maybe we want to have a more rational, logical way of looking at things instead of just trusting this force, right? And you you see this kind of antithesis, uh, at least in Western society, this antithesis between science and religion. And, and I think rightfully so from a historical standpoint. But when you react to air, you cause more air. And it created this separation that I think what we're seeing now is a trend of science and spirituality, not religion, which they, I think are different, absolutely different, but spiritual technology coming back online. And as I'm hearing you talk about AI and I'm hearing really the core structure behind why, why you're doing what you're doing. I'm like, this to me, is this another example of us being able to quantify what many would regard as metaphysics and being able to understand the deeper nature of our reality. So, and there's a lot there, but I'd love to hear your comments on, on that. There is a lot there. Um, <laughs> this is a three-hour podcast, everybody. Um, so, so I think to bring a, another depth to that, so you, you need to also be considering your conscious mind as well as your subconscious mind. Can you so define that so real quick for the, just for the listeners? Yeah, so, so your conscious mind is the things that are in your awareness. So things you go about every day, our conversation right now, the words you're listening to, if you're watching this visually, you know, the things that you're hearing, seeing, this is all conscious. So it's in our awareness subconscious by definition is below our awareness so we're not aware of that that's there now we can observe our patterns our behaviors to kind of be aware of some of the things that might lay underneath the surface but we're not aware of those generally speaking in our day-to-day life Uh, and our superconscious that's what kind of sits above everything else it's this 
what I refer to as our human potential, our full capacity when we're operating that space. We're in our flow. Most people talk about flow that's there when you're yes. oper- operating that space. So it's where I believe our most intelligent connections come from and where we're able to access the information with a clear part of our mind, whereas our subconscious is, is built with basically our beliefs and our programs. And beliefs are really simple. They're just We've just assigned meaning to things. To things. Person, yep. place, thing, you know, circumstance, whatever it was. We just assigned a meaning to it. You know, my brother gave me a bigger Christmas present. Who cares? That's just a fact. Oh, I assigned the meaning that oh, my mum loved him more than me. We create the subjective story around a fact, right? The fact is my brother got a biz- bigger gift, but that doesn't inherently have meaning. We assign the story a meaning. This is so hard for people to understand when you start talking about story and they begin, no, this is this is reality. And we're like, well, your story about reality isn't reality. That's your story. It's just, it's so interesting because it's so simple when you break it down in a logical reasoning mind. Yes. To say, oh, yeah, like there was just an event that happened, which was brother got bigger Christmas present. That's it. That's yes. the end. What meaning? Oh, my brother must be loved more. Or my brother was the favorite. Or, oh, I never get anything because I'm misbehaving. So I get this presents that are small. I could make anything I like about, which is what you call a story. I make up any story I like about it. I use that as my belief, my, my meaning that I assign to why he got a present. And then now that's my belief. So it, it's that simple. 40 years later, you're still making decisions based on a belief that you created when you were a child. This is what breaks my heart. As a coach, I see this all the time. It's like the implications of that belief system are wild, which is why my whole, the whole, my whole first book is on awareness because it, the whole goal is to invite the human into a space where they can go in and begin to reevaluate either guided, probably guided in the beginning, reevaluate these beliefs and go, do I want to continue to believe this story? Does this serve me? Because in many cases, it's holding people back from being their fullest selves because a, a story that that's now at the, as, as you, you said, at the unconscious level, it's not something that they're even aware of. They believe anymore. It's not like when they start to behave a particular way, they're going, oh, this is because this happened to me when I was three years old. That's in the, the subconscious. It's not even something they're aware of, but they're manifesting this reality over and over and over again. I also like that you, you broke it into a, a trifecta, right? The, the subconscious, conscious, and superconscious. Um, and, and superconscious, you're, you're assigning, that's where we get into deep flow states. And, and flow, we generally experience oneness. Um, it's hard to understand where where we end and something else begins. There's a, an intuitive response to the world around you versus a logical progression. Um, Chek Setmihai, I think, was actually taught just down the road from here, was the one who originally coined the phrase uh, but there's a lot of tech, uh, a lot of study in that space right now, and I, I don't know that I've heard anybody connect superconscious and flow, but I that makes sense intuitively on many levels. Yeah, flow flow is just when, like I describe it as when we're really aligned in all layers of our all realms of existence is what I, I describe it as. But I think probably yeah to that point, just to understand <coughs> the nature of how that works. So <coughs> superconscious is really just allows us to be the truest version of who we are on the planet for our to live our spiritual purpose in these yes. meat suits as you refer to them as. Um, and, and to come back to your point around the religion piece, it's, it's always a controversial topic. Like I believe in God, which means I believe that there's something greater than me. Yes. Uh, and most people believe in whatever their word is for God. Yes. I don't judge that at all, but it's, I think the religion piece is where the mind gets in hundred percent spiritual pieces, the spiritual conversation. And if we rewind back to the day, um, you know, let's assume all those events were true, you know, with Jesus coming and God being here people experience no doubt some phenomenal things 
no doubt, phenomenal. Um, that intent in terms of spiritual was very pure. Um, people then started being people and yes. create some rules <laughs> around things. Humans being human, as I call it. some stuff. <laughs> and then you know, religion then turned into you know, the fear, the guilt, the shame yes. kind of conversation, which would never have been intended from God himself. Yes. Man just decided to say, we can make some rules about this and do some things in their best way, probably with the best intentions to yes. start with. And then like Chinese whispers, you tell me something, I'll tell a friend, and by the time it comes back to you, it's a completely different story. By the time we get handed down many generations, you can understand why people are acting like they are and the Catholic Church is burning all the books to do with science and yes. you know, having that because it's, you know, it's, it's kind Control of and we fear. Are. So I think it's just us being human, yeah. having minds and doing our thing with our, our beliefs issues and all our problems that we project on everything else. But So it makes sense as to why we ended up here and why we're now, and even Christianity itself then broke into, oh, you be Lutheran, you be Catholic. And, and an enormous amount of, of denominations. Difference and and yep. we all believe slightly different things about whatever. So the belief part is the thing that kind of we made up as humans. Yes. I think the spiritual part is very true and, and at source, very, very direct, that everybody else has that, that potential to plug into. Again, whether you think it's or believe it's your higher self or God or the universe, it doesn't matter so much to me, but that's the really important conversation that's there to, to navigate. And when we can get to that point and to know those things about you, I love that your book's on awareness. It's just, it's what I talk about all the time, actually, is the first important thing fact that we've got technology that can actually help you be aware is really mind-blowing and the fact it can even help you change your subconscious mind with ai that's here to know specifically what you need to actually have an ai to be an intervention the future version of this i can't talk too much about but it, essentially you'll be able to pick and choose whatever it is that you want it to be it can be your mother because you had problems there it can be god itself it can be a, it could be yourself and you're talking to yourself so um, what's possible is really amazing with voice technology with visual technologies and the things that we can do to help navigate that for people is just, it's life-changing. It just enables us to be the truest version of, of humans that we're supposed to be here on the planet without all the stuff. Um, I just think that's so powerful and so empowering for people. And I, it's my wish that this you know tech for good, which is what we're all about, can be used to empower people for this great journey of self-discovery, uh, of self-mastery, and of something that's, that's greater than us. So we're going to get into this because there's a few things. I, I just want to put a bow on the framework so we would say then that we are an, a, a spiritual being having a human experience and at a, at a mystical level, I think uh, we agree on that. The story of what that means in the meat suit as a human is the result of all the different religions. We all create our own belief or story around what that means, right? But to your point, you said earlier, and I'm 100% agreement, barring a small sect of humans currently who I think are having their own spiritual experience and, and the idea of believing that God doesn't exist, most of humanity understands on an intuitive level or maybe we could say a remembering or just through observation, uh, self-evidence, self-evidential uh, experience that there is a God, Right? And that would be, we could say, maybe a jump for some right now, but we could say that is the, the fact, right? But then religion creates all the story and belief that creates the, the different variations of what that means. That's a really good summary, I think, so, from my perspective too. And, and for those that don't necessarily choose to believe that there's something greater than us, like there's just, as you say, there's so much evidence. Like you can go and Google whatever you like now and just see so many, like, Especially scientists, Im I'm baffled. Impossible how things like I'm right. a scientist. Yeah, There's that's why when I heard you say that, it was impossible things out there that just you cannot 
physically, yeah. physiologically explain that are real. Or and, it, and logically try to walk away from that. You're like, yeah, I can logically explain this away. Yeah. And, and there's yeah. so many and you can try and, you know, anyway, there's just so much. It's, it's, there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that's there that has to have us ask better questions as yes. humans that say, we could just keep trying and pretend that doesn't exist. Or we could ask a way better question to say, what if it did exist? Yes. And is there a way we can actually help to quantify or measure, understand that to then help him? How are people to do something about that? Ugh. There's some good questions to, to, to journey on. I mean, this is beautiful. And we're going to pivot here in a second, but I, I, I will say, I think from the scientific community side, I get the fear. There's a lot of fear in that because in Western society, a lot of science kind of was fueled by this idea that we're going to try to explain the world independent of the idea of this they would probably say white robed dude in the clouds that is, you know, the grand arbiter of what happens here. And so there's the underpinnings of a lot of science, the scientific community is even in many cases, it's at a subconscious level is this idea of explaining the world absent of God. So to bring God back into the picture for many of them, there's a lot of fear in that. Uh, but what I, what I experienced, I'd love to hear your take on this is, the last two or 300 years, there has been an incredible amount of low-hanging fruit that science has been able to pick up and explain, right? It's like, fuck, well, now we finally have systems that we can use to, frameworks we can use to explain this. But now we're at the fringes of what science can explain, and it's running into itself. And instead of, in my opinion, instead of stepping down into a certain level of humility, it's doing the same thing, in my opinion, that the Catholic Church did, which was become incredibly more arrogant and more dogmatic about this is the way it is because we're scientists. The amount I hear, well, it's scientifically proven and, or, you know, this is fact among scientists. And I'm like, well, which scientists? You, you don't all agree, right? And there's so many of these things. It's like, instead of just, and I'm, I obviously I cannot speak for all scientists and clearly you are one and there are a lot of amazing people who don't think this way, but I would say the Western mainstream vibe around the scientific community is becoming increasingly more dogmatic and arrogant instead of humbly acknowledging there is much that we can't understand. And there are certain limits to our 3d explanation of the world. And we don't really have a way yet to quantify. And maybe you, you disagree. And if you do, please let me know, but we don't have a way to quantify 4d or 5d or any of the other dimensions. And so as a result, we're limited in what we can interface with and what we can explain because it's very tactical or tactile still. Um, and so I think that's, I'm excited because what you're talking about to me is inferring or I'm intuiting from that, that potentially we're creating technology that's going to help us see beyond our own limitations currently. And that is first and foremost, and by a massive mile, super exciting. It could also be going back to tech for good, potentially be scary depending on where it landed and, and who got a hold of that technology but in its purest expression could be one of the greatest gifts to humanity that we've had so far. So let's talk about that. Let's just segue into <laughs> AI for good here, right? Cause AI there's a lot good. of discussion around AI right now and it's obviously changing our world at a rapid pace and not everybody's excited about it. So let's start with that framework. What's your maybe objectively outside of the current tech that you're developing, what's your take on AI? So AI is definitely, I understand why people are getting a little bit, controversial around it um, it does have potential to uh, head in the wrong direction I think we've all been around the conversations now with social media um, that you know people there I I, uh, I'm, I know a, couple, uh, you know a number of the different guys who created a lot of social media stuff but um, 
they're kids in a garage having a crack, doing the best they can <laughs> uh, when they first start out. And then it evolves into something that's far greater than their level of consciousness or anyone's level of consciousness on the planet at that particular point in time. And yeah, these things do grow for the reasons that aren't the purest of human consciousness and development. By all means, everybody's aware of that. Um, you know, business is business and things happen. So um, it just so happens as a byproduct, nobody ever thought that our whole minds would get programmed and we'd have so much in terms of loneliness, suicide, yes. you know, bullying, all the things that are out there. We just, nobody ever knew or nobody ever would have predicted back in those days what would come from that. And right? I love so you saying that because I, I think what I hear you saying, and, and I would agree, is it's not like there was some evil human intention for those outcomes. They just weren't things that would be cons- being considered in That's the... It. That's yeah. it. And I, I tend to sit more there than the, the yeah. evil conspiracy of like, this is all planned to control yeah. humanity. I'm like, yeah, I Which don't think humans are that bright. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, it's actually, we can't give that much credit. We're not actually that smart. <laughs> right. uh, it's when you, when you, yeah, anyway. When I you, agree when with you've you. Been, when you, when you hang, hang around with those sorts of levels of conversation, uh, I consult to multiple different governments around the world, United Nations, World Health Organization, um, like, we give too much credit for the conspiracy theory. I agree. Um, you know, pe- even people in governments making decisions about what happens, like they're just people with all their beliefs and issues and dramas and dramas and all that sort of stuff, making yes. the best decisions they can with logic and reasoning, yes. even though they're emotional and gut yes. people <laughs> to try and make it work. Like that's it. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> Beautiful. So I, is there people up higher pulling strings? That's a conversation for another day. That's, that's certainly part of a story, but uh, at the day-to-day level, it's not quite what we think um, for sure. And these things just happen with people having a crack. We are in that time right now with AI. Everybody's having a crack. Yep. Um, AI was, you know, something that wasn't really known well. And actually, we've been an interesting part of our story. We were doing this before anyone else had even thought of anything. We were introducing this concept of personalized health back in the day. It was, uh, you know, early to or early to late two thousand. Well, you made the comment. You've been working on this for twenty years. So that's way before AI was really a, a notable a thing. thing. Yeah, it wasn't even a thing. In fact, we sat around and said, wouldn't it be cool? If a computer program could do what we're doing, we'd sit around Olympic athlete, you know, neurologist, geneticist, neuroscientist, um, musculoskeletal therapist, dietitian, psychologist, whatever. We'd sit around around a table with all our respective bits of data and say, hey, let's try and figure out what we do for this person to make better decisions in a split second moment or to reduce their injury risk or whatever. Like basic stuff back then, back in the day. Um, like that's where we first started out is saying, imagine if there was a computer program that could do that. Uh, we actually had by 2007, we had the computer program that could actually, when somebody came in, could identify who they were, could make predictions about their deficiencies or their diagnoses, could then also make recommendations about the interventions and the scans and tests that should be done to get most effect. This is 2007. We had that. I was asked for clarification. Version. You said 2007. 15, so 15 16 years, years ago, ago was when we first had that. And so wow. now <laughs> AI is, it's amazing what is possible. Like it's, it's mind blowing what's possible. But the question begs, where's it going to go? Everybody in the last couple of years has heard you know, ChatGPT is like, hey, just sign up and have a crack. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's having a crack because, hey, there's some money to be made from it. Um, just like we were back in the social media days, it was, it was a new era. This wasn't done before. Unprecedented now we're in the same boat where everything is AI and there's, there's data being collected and, and machines making decisions about things that people just don't even understand at all and the ramifications of that won't be experienced for another 10 or 20 years. So I think it's definitely worthwhile and, and a lot of the people in this area are standing up saying, hey, we need to actually really start to have some conversations about this and bring forward as a together humanity, as a collaboration, yes. what are we going to do about this? Because we should be learning from our mistakes like we did with social media. Let's be smart people and actually learn. If 
because if we don't make good decisions now, we're going to have lots of problems later. The tough part about today's society is, well, hey, I can go make a bunch of money. So I get what you guys are saying, but I'm just going to go make a bunch of money, which is tough, right? So it's I get the concern because it's real for people. But also on the other side of the fence, I just want to share about that because what's possible when you can use it for, for your own empowerment is unbelievable. And one simple thing that we just talked about with understanding how you're wired, how you work biologically and psychologically. What if we could just use AI to scan your body and actually understand how your natural brain works, the things that you're naturally good at? And so imagine this going through school when you're here having to do maths and science, you get a D in, but you're amazing at drama and, now you and think, sports. And now and you else. think you're not... W- but oh, but you, yeah. you get programmed with you're not worthy and your parents are telling you you should be better at this, but what do you do? Mm. You get told to, hey, you need to focus on your Ds and you need to improve your grades. And it's like, oh my gosh, we've missed the whole story here. As, as Einstein, you can yeah, yeah, that's exactly a fish getting judged by its ability yeah, to climb a tree. Like that yeah. spends its whole life thinking it's stupid. That's literally what we're currently doing in society is you should work on the things you're not good at, that you're not built up for, you're not even on the planet for. As you, Correct. You've picked a biology that's not even capable of this yeah. and spirit for a purpose. Yeah. We missed the whole boat with, hey, you should be a sprinter, not a weightlifter. Instead, we're saying you're a good runner, but you're terrible at weightlifting. Hey, stop running. Just go in the gym all the time and try and lift weights and get big. Like that's how we're currently living our life with our children and growing that as our future. So what if you could have a, an hour that could scan you, that could immediately tell you about what you're actually naturally good at and say, here's your natural genius, Sebastian. Here's the things you're going to excel at in life. And here's the things that are going to be a bit more challenging for you. Imagine if you knew that from a kid mm. or even now as an adult. Imagine how that's going to change not just your life, but even your workplace with how you go on. I mean, you've got a business, right? You've got employees that are here who are trying to do marketing and you could be straight away like, these guys are never going to be great marketing people or an accountant that should be a marketing person that's on the road that's never going to be a great accountant. There's so many things that we just do because we come out of school, we pick a job, we do it for money, for trying to save up to buy a house and whatever else we do. We don't actually stop ever to think about the, the difference in the programming and difference in approach to say, imagine if we were just here for something to live our life and be amazing at what we're doing. What about if you could forget the things you're getting Ds at and focus amazing on the things you're getting As at and be an A triple plus person for the rest of your life in that? And then, hey, go and find Matt who's here that's amazing at the other stuff yes. and work together. Yes. In a collaborative, collective way. Imagine ha- that. Imagine a world like that. And imagine if <laughs> the world just didn't have Sebastian and there was almost 8 billion others that he could do that with yeah. and achieve amazing things together. Mm-hmm. So that's just an example of how AI, and this hap- this, I'm just giving this example. This is right here today. I can do this right now, almost live with you. Scan your body with a smartphone. Understand so much happening internally, not just with your medical and health issues, but actually understanding what you're naturally good at to then say, wow, that's amazingly empowering. And even in a workplace setting in corporate wellness, you can actually navigate conversations with people. So this is what is possible for Tech for Good to help with all of our subconscious programming issues, to help with our conscious experience of our daily life at work, getting told we're in trouble, feeling like we're failing, not enjoying our our positions. We're just not in flow at all with being there. We're just in the wrong space, doing it for the wrong reasons. So this is just, it's a new era of these conversations, but AI makes this possible and we can do that right now here today. It's the convergence of science, medicine, technology Right here today, we can do this right now. So for those listening after the podcast, we're actually going to do that with me. We're going to do a live scan and uh, we're going to share that feedback. So for those who are interested, it will be at the end of the podcast. And I'm super excited to, to see where that goes. And you know, as you're talking about this and what technology allows us to do. There's, I think we're going to look back probably within a generation and say, man, we were so primitive, so archaic. Like we laugh. I mean, most of us laugh at treatment of drilling holes in skulls to to alleviate all n- number of sufferings, right? And like, why would how how was that a thing? 
right? Like the practices of 500 years ago or even 100 years ago, to be fair, there's a really good chance, like a 99.9% chance within a generation, we're going to look back at how we've been doing things and go, what were we doing? Why were we so archaic in this idea? And what you're talking about is like finding your zone of genius. Quit trying to make everybody the same. Homogenize humans. We're not. And by design, we're not. We're all a beautiful expression and have a purpose for being here that is unique to us. And this, this idea of homogenizing humanity is, is all bad on many levels. And so I love this approach. I, I want to get into the nuts and bolts of, of Shay here in a second. What did you think about Sam Altman and a number of others coming out and saying, um, I think he was part of the crew that said this, that we should pause AI for six months or development of AI. Obviously, the cat's out of the bag. I think realistically that's not going to happen. But what did you think about that kind of call to action? What was your thoughts on that? Was your listening to that? Uh, it was amen. It was this is needed, but also knowing what I know from experience, just knowing people and human psychology and how we're built, it was, it's a great intention. It's idealistic. Yep. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, yep. So as much as it would be great to do it, and a lot of great people that tried to get behind that, um, there's too much choice yep. in the world to be able to do whatever I like and, hey, I'm going to try and have a crack at this GPT thing, make some money off of it, why not? Um, it's it is, it just There's too much uh, freedom to be able to try and control people in that way, which is how people see that. So it's, it's difficult. These are conversations that we're going to need to navigate as humanity, but we're all going to need to rise up level of consciousness yes. or two levels of consciousness to yes. be able to get there and we're just not quite there yet as humanity as a, as a collective which is sad but it's it's just reality and i think that's i think that's where we're at where and i i ultimately believe we're within a generation or two of a massive uh, consciousness ascension where humans are going to as one raise their consciousness level i really believe that on, on many levels and i think historically we can we can point to precedents that that create these moments in time but and that is what's necessary right because you like many of the great spiritual texts, going back to that just briefly, they meet you where you are at your level of consciousness. You, you All you have to do to listen, to understand where somebody at, is listen to them describe their world. It'll tell you the level of consciousness they're operating at. And so where some may see beautiful opportunity or ability to change the world for the better, and, and, and I'm, I'm on the, the same kind of think uh, wavelength as you, is the upside of AI greatly outweighs the downside but that isn't to deny there is a downside there's a there's a downside to nuclear energy there's a downside to mass production there's everything has a downside right it's just understanding and knowing how to mitigate that but that's what's necessary i think right now is that there is a massive rise in human consciousness to be able to understand higher levels of thinking and, and shift as one into a different way of looking at the world and we're at a, a precipice i think in that there are very few times in history that I can think of in which every major institution, and again, I'm mostly referencing Western society, but it's kind of creeping into everything currently, as far as I can tell. Uh, every major institution is being challenged, right? Where our healthcare system, academia, uh, marriage, religion, um, capitalism, I'm, I'm failing to probably remember a handful of them, but they're all being questioned all at the same time. And I think the reason is, is because we're like, we're in transition. We're stuck between two worlds where the old world doesn't really make sense anymore, but we really haven't figured out what the new world's going to look like yet. And so it's a bit of a tumult that can seem very scary. I'm incredibly hopeful, but it can seem very scary in process because it's like, well, the old world doesn't really make sense anymore, but what are we doing? What's the new world going to look like? Well, I love the way that you just shared that because I believe 
it's certainly that time at the moment. It's the time where we don't, like as a collective speaking here as humanity, we don't know what to do, but we know there's something that's not right. Yes. And so there's this, and we're trying our best to improve the systems mm. we've got and to change the systems we've got. And we just can't acknowledge the fact publicly or to anybody out loud that we can't actually change the systems we've got because they're just, they were built for a great purpose. They back, served know, their purpose. Decades yeah. and even a century or two ago. They're not, they haven't been around for that long. Most of them, like you're right. Industrial yeah. revolution, like wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So they've been around, they served a great purpose. They got us where we are today. We've just evolved more and it doesn't quite fit, which is why everybody's upset about everything from like all the different institutions and so many more because it just doesn't fit with how much we've evolved consciously. It's it's We're now aware of the problems. Before it was like, oh my gosh, it's this thing that saved us. And as we've evolved consciously, it's like this thing that's trapping us. And, and so that's where we're kind of stuck between that. And so the answer is very simple. We just have to completely disrupt it and, and create new systems. <laughs> it's it's simple. so simple and so logical. Simple, not easy. Not but, easy. But simple. And hence why it's not going to happen for a while and why we're going to have a whole bunch of pain that gets us to wherever we're going to get to with that. And we see that historically though, right? This isn't the first time in, this may be one of the most pronounced moments in history in at least a millennia, but we, I think there's historical precedent for that. And we can look back at that to figure out in some ways how to navigate this time. But I think you're right. And like, I'm a, a, as a whole, I've been a staunch capitalist for a long time, mostly, you know, borrowing from Churchill's words because there isn't a better system currently, but I, I see very clearly the holes in the system now. And we're like, we're talking about, it's like, well, can we sit back as a, as a collective and go, well, maybe we should maybe put a little bit more thought into what we're doing with AI. But we go, well, that's not going to happen because there's money to be made and money is driving the behavior. It's And, and somehow we need to recalibrate back to uh, a more conscious capitalism. And it, maybe this evolves into a different system that um, looks c- completely different sometime in the future. And I don't know what that would look like currently. But where it's not just about money, it's about people, people and profit. I like profit as a scorecard in business. It makes sense and it's it's fairly clean. But if everything is about profit and we lose people, what's the point, right? Well, I think just on that topic. So I, I've, I certainly see a, a world in the future that's different and it's just so hard for people to get their head around now. But you're right. The problem that we have is that we created the whole, you know, every driver we have, our value is based on economy. It's based on finance. It's based on, that's our driver for everything. So Which worked for a season, but is now... The season's ending. The season's ending. I but, agree with but, you. And we don't know what to do with that. Right. But I see a future where... And again, this would be too hard for most people to get their head around, but I see a future where we're actually driven by a different reason. Imagine, just again, for a moment here, if you're listening to this, imagine a future where you're actually driven by value mm. rather than money. And so whether you're a, a lawyer and instead of getting paid 200 bucks an hour, so you're more important, I'm a stay-at-home mum. And at the moment, I have no value and you have lots of value, right? What am I getting paid? Nothing after beg, borrow and steal for something if I want to get something done around the place, if I'm not earning money compared to you who's earning lots of money and that drives your great quality of life and everything you do and decisions you make compared to me and my decisions that I make. What if there was a way that we could actually help measure and quantify with AI that I am here actually delivering one of the biggest values we can to humanity, which is taking care of my child, which is actually, and we can quantify and measure the levels of oxytocin that are coming through as I share love with my child to help nurture it as it grows. And what if I could get some value, some yes. coins, whatever, like my value that's placed here. And what if you could also get your value? If you're living in your flow, and so we're designing an econ- a future um, you know, society based off of 
flow based off of value and based off of contribution. And so you're here contributing in your genius, in your flow, as your spiritual purpose intended, and I'm doing mine as the mother looking after my child, and we're both equal. Yes. For the first time we've ever seen in the last couple of decades, or last couple of centuries, I should say. And this suddenly is something that's a very different world. It's like, wow, suddenly I'm not just trying to use AI to better myself because money suddenly doesn't matter. It's not the driving force. It's a really difficult thing for us to get our heads around because we've all been programmed from anyone who's listening to this that's alive today. That you need to go to school. You've, ever known. you've got to go to school. Why? So you can learn lots of things. Why? So you can then go to university. Why? So you can get a better job. Why? So you can get paid more. Why? So you can buy a house. Why? So you can be safe and everything can be okay. Wow, that's an interesting program that we're all born into, right? Yep. What if we were born into a very different program and said, oh, hey, I love this. Who you are, why you're on the planet, and actually the reasons why you can do what you do, how you can live your full life to its, its fullest, be fully empowered to deliver amazing things beyond our current understanding of human potential, and then work with Matt and everyone else in the world to actually have a really harmonious society. So we're here together as a collaborating humanity to create something amazing, and the driving force behind that is different. And there's a whole bunch of things we can talk about another time about how that you know, looks for different services and things, but it's possible. We've mapped out some some big things, but it's it's so difficult with today's society to even imagine that. Like imagine everybody who's been saving up, working hard to buy their six houses because that's their life. Imagine if that was just taken away. It's just so hard for us to comprehend these things. So I get. I think it's getting easier though, yeah. because because what's happening is there's the haves and the have-nots is getting greater, and I think a lot of people are beginning to recalibrate. Well, what, how else could we look at this? I agree with you. It's, and even the, the people in the have nots, they still want to be part of the haves. It's just, how do we create a different world? And 20 years ago, I got into a, a debate when I was in college about universal basic income. And at the time I wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, now am I real evaluating, reevaluating the world we're living in with AI and robotics and how the world is changing, creating a different value system that may create some version of universal basic income, I am now becoming more of a proponent of, which I wasn't, I think about, I love asking the question, what do I believe now that I used not to? And that's one of them because I think to your point, like I was raised by a single mom and to me, she was one of the most valuable people on earth. Right. And yet in our society, they are diminished in a way that is tragic to the, the very fabric of society uh, and I love that you brought that up and use that as an example. Like, how could we re-quantify that? I get concerned when we try to use outside force to determine value because ultimately, like when you, society is on the, the verge of, in my opinion, on the verge of collapse, when we shift from using laws to protect our morals, right, to support our moral system, and it shifts from that to enforcing or trying to create or force a moral system on people. I just don't see historically how that works well. So the idea of potentially using AI, if it was seen as this kind of moral compass that was uh, objective, in, in a sense indifferent, and was trusted as a result, and that, to me, I see there's the fabric that's breaking down is there's high levels of trust, distrust everywhere, right? It's like, okay, so did, then do we create a, and this goes dystopian really quick, but then do we create an AI system that becomes the grab, grand arbiter or kind of judge of the entire human experience? And in one sense, I could see that being like, one part of my head can get around that and go, well, yeah, it's not limited by sleep, diet, you know, emotional condition, hormone levels, right? It's going to be more objective. But what do you say to that? Like, do you see that world where 
we're essentially replacing judges uh, and the the uh, the system to 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 pass down sentences on criminals and and things like that. Or how where do you see that going? Yeah, I think there's a few different forks in the road that happen, and I actually see it as a number of different forks. So we could go left or right in the next couple of years, and depending which way we go, we'll get to another left or right, and depending which way we go there. So yeah. I think at the moment anything's really possible. Yeah. Um, like honestly, we could end up in that complete, um, you know, AI-controlled world. It's possible, or we could end up in the opposite utopia where you're actually just living on the planet, you know, with who we're supposed to be and actually having having a harmonious life. So I think we're able to use that to our support as humans. And I, my personal um, wish, I guess, more than my belief is, my personal wish is we'll always be human. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and we'll always be able to be humans because I believe that's why we're here. But I also believe that AI is a part of intelligence and a part of consciousness that we're totally. able to actually bring to help us, not to enforce stuff and to tell us we're wrong, but it's actually here to empower us to say like, wow, if I do have these beliefs in my system, I didn't even realize they were there. That just changed my life. Tools. And everything just there. And wow, I didn't realize that if I eat kale um, <laughs> or live at the wrong altitude that that actually impacts my health and I haven't even been wanting to go outside for decades or have migraines every day or all these sorts of things just because some AI told me like, hey, do you want to just do something different? It's like the, these things are profoundly able to change our lives in ways that we couldn't imagine otherwise, that we're just not capable right now as humans to be able to do that ourselves often. Um, some of us are very aligned and, and intuitive and empowered and some of us really struggle to get out of bed every day we struggle to, to have a pain-free day, to be grateful every day. Yeah. And it just sounds easy. Oh, why don't you just be grateful and share unconditional love with everybody? Um, if you've tried doing that when you're lying in bed for you know, years on end with chronic pain and suffering and emotional trauma happened when you were a child, it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Um, imagine if there was a way that we could actually help be aware and then make choice and be supportive and guided in that that's there to help us be empowered and be the best version of ourselves. And I believe that that's a way that our physical health can be improved, our emotional health can be improved, our mental health can be improved all through AI. That's already doing that today. And that will lead to a bigger conversation around you know, the real reasons why we're actually on the planet. So I really believe it can empower and support and guide us and can help with that. And again, it is actually honestly up to us as humans what we're going to be choosing to go around that uh, as a conversation or not. So I think there's a lot of different forks that we're going to encounter and how we choose to, to go left or right along the way will, will ultimately impact where we end up. But there's, there's just so much possibility and I really wish and hope that everybody can make really great choices in this next phase, mm. this next season of life for humanity where there is going to be disruption, there is going to be systems that are changing, there's going to be a lot of turmoil. We've already been seeing it last few years. Uh, there's more to come, I believe. And uh, how we go on the other side of that is going to be sort of you know, where we decide to land. So I hope that people who are listening to these conversations can feel at least inspired and empowered to have conversations about it whether you agree or disagree with our thoughts and opinions is, is neither here nor there. It's more just having the awareness, the discussion. Yeah. as your book says. Yeah. Be aware about it, have a chat about it, and then you'll, you'll find a choice that's right for you. But again, go and, go and check out some things that can help you and, and see what you think and how it can help. We're definitely going to have to have a part two of this because there's a lot, of, there's a lot that I would love to get into but I, I, uh, that I think we'll, we'll have a good time with. But uh, I want to come to Shay what Shay is doing, Shay I, which is, is your brainchild, pun intended. Um, 15 years working in sports medicine, training doctors, you had a terminal illness. I'd love for you to, to share to whatever degree you want to, just kind of the framework around that and then how all these pieces led together, 20 years of research into what you're doing now. Yeah, it's 
So this is going to be a six-hour podcast. Okay. <laughs> so so um, the short version is I woke up one day in excruciating pain. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I thought I was actually having a heart attack. Uh, I was – I can't remember how old I was now, maybe early 20s, maybe late teens, early 20s, so mm. long time ago. Super I was fit, young. fit, healthy, went to the gym three, four times a week, was surfing, playing sports, like one of those guys that you're like, yep. wow, he's really healthy and doing his thing. Um, I couldn't believe it. And I, at the time, I was teaching doctors in science and medicine, and I was like, okay, this is – like I thought I was having a heart attack. And I was like, well, it's actually slightly to the right. It's not left. That's a good sign. Yep. Don't have, <laughs> don't have, don't have you know, any symptoms coming down my in your left. Good. Yep. Yeah, these things are looking promising. Um, and that led me down a journey for a number of years before I could. I tried every medication, every elimination diet, every whatever's, and I had chronic pain, like nerve pain throughout my whole body, chronically sick, autoimmune issues, etc. Turned out to be a diagnosis, a genetic diagnosis uh, of amyloid polyneuropathy, which is a neurodegenerative and an autoimmune disease kind of put together, um, of which they give an average life expectancy of 10 years. So that was probably over 20 years ago now for me. Um, and that really sparked a lot of things inside of me to say there's more to this story here what am i missing um i was interested in a lot of the science and medicine back then i was i was very interested in the genetics very interested in neuroscience which are kind of my sort of you know interest areas in psychology um but i was able with a lot of the networks i have i've been a, a university lecturer for 10 plus years at, at a couple of universities in australia and one over here in, in the us and i was able to connect with a lot of leading minds around the place which led to a lot of the things that we're doing today with saying how do we first and foremost understand me because the stuff that I went through was not there. Like they got to a point saying we can do a liver transplant for you and I'd say, what's that going to do? And they're like, we don't really know but we don't know what else to do. I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to be Lovely. doing a liver transplant, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> uh, but thank you for the opportunity. Um, so that, that's kind of where we got to and I'm like, okay, there's a lot of limitations that we have in understanding people here. Turns out, fast track a lot of many years later, my climate was a huge factor. Oh, here we go. protein. Uh-huh. was my second factor. So I actually moved from Adelaide, the place that we talked about, down the bottom in the middle of Australia, for those who don't know, up to the northeast coast. And Adelaide has a, a cold and dry climate. The northeast coast has a warm and humid climate. I moved up there. Within about two weeks, my symptoms had reduced by about 60% in two weeks. I had this my pain, constant pain for years. And I stopped eating protein. So this is a longer story based on epigenetics. I looked at my gene yep. expression, how it was processing. Turns out I wasn't actually producing enough of the enzyme necessary to break, to break it down. down so i had protein that was actually not being broken down it was end up as calcification in my spine and my nerves and that was actually causing my problems so i've been diagnosed with a number of different diagnoses before that by you know leading amazing doctors i've got no issues i think the medical profession is amazing um, and they're all doing the best they can yes. it's like everyone else is doing the best it's called they a can. practice for a reason though it's right <laughs> everybody's doing the best they yeah. can um we're just limited with, with what we know and how we go about that so yep. um so that was the thing for me. I actually, I went through a whole bunch of different stuff and I, I remember the, the toughest part, I used to go around and, and have um, iodine. I'd drop on all my different you know, foods I'd eat to see how much starch content they had when I was going through. It was it was a nightmare. And I know a lot of people today that are, are living extreme diets, exclusionary things that are there because they just don't know how to get on top of things. And for me, what I realized going through that was, you know what, it's actually possible to change the story. It's possible to change your health. And you know what? The particulars are different for everybody, but the principles are the same for everybody. Yeah. The principles are find out who you are and find out what's right for you and what your unique body needs at this exact moment in time and just do that. That's it. And that's the same for everybody. Now, the particulars are very different for everybody, but the principles are the same. And so that really kick-started and sparked the journey of what we have Shay today, which is based on precision intelligence 
to understand and quantify each unique person and then help them with what they need specifically. So that was for me. I was able to overcome that. I've been cured for many. I have no pain, so no issues, anything at all today sitting here right now. I can't wait to, to check out Shay. <laughs> I'll, I'll share it off, offline some things I'm going through. That's, that's super interesting. Uh, so protein synthesis, you figured out, wasn't jiving correctly. So you obviously have protein. You, you look super healthy and fit, so you figured yeah. it out. Well, at the time back then, I was having my protein shakes at the gym like you do. Yeah. You go three or four times a week. That's right. You have your protein, right, so you right. big muscles, right? That's yep, the yep. whole point. And that's part of the program we have. So you have to like have big muscles when you go to the beach in summer. So everybody likes you, right? Yeah. So that's what you do. Yeah. That was making me sick. Yeah. Coming back to societal programming, there's so many different Well, you look to, fit and healthy. Things. So it's not like you're, it's not like we're talking about somebody who looks sickly. You look healthy. Right. So you figured Thank something you. out. So you still have protein. I still right? have protein. <laughs> so I went for six months with no protein. I'm not, I'm not talking just no extra protein, no protein, no, no protein source, period. I'm, I must be ignorant. I didn't even think that was possible. It's possible. <laughs> So wow. cut all that out completely and then went back, introduced my things back in over the next six months. Well, what was that like? How, what, I mean, what, what did your body very, experience? It was tough. I lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, I went through a lot of detoxing um, processes. Yeah. And I had to have a lot of trust and faith in the protocol that yeah. was there yeah. that was worked on by a, couple, a number of different yeah, amazing leading minds that were part of that and that we pieced together all the pieces of information that led to you know, the understanding about what was happening physio physiologically in my body which was different to a whole bunch of different symptoms and diagnoses that come from other ones. Do you remember what biomarkers showed up for you to for you to figure out that it was protein synthesis was the issue? I can't remember actually what it was back okay. in the day. We had a whole bunch of different data sets. I, would, I could look it up. I'm just curious if you share it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was an interesting journey for me and an interesting time, but it was a really empowering time as well. So let's get into Shay. So this was pre-Shay. Right, but obviously there was learnings, motivations, things that came from this that certainly, I'm sure, motivated you. So this is pre-Shay, and around the same times we were working on some pretty progressive concepts um, back in the day. Um, we had a, a company that we called Destiny Med, and we we're actually taking genetic samples from people and bringing together, as I described before, lots of different roundtable minds to then try and make sense of that to give uh, examples. And now there's, I mean, there's dime a dozen genetic companies everywhere that do translations of that sort of stuff. But back in the early 2000s, this was so progressive. It was, you know, mind-blowingly off the charts progressive. And so that's kind of where we started in those aspects. And that kind of led, um, has led to where we are today. And we, we realized um, a lot of limitations. So even for me, a genetic diagnosis that's there, we realized there's limitations in just genetics alone. Yeah. Um, because genetics have, you know, a blueprint or a potential for something to happen doesn't mean they're going to happen. Now we're getting into epigenetics, which <laughs> now we're is into epigenetics, which is the premise of what Shay uses to function. So the AI uses to function. For the listeners who maybe don't understand that, can you clarify what epigenetics is? Because this is an exciting field, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So epi is derived from the Greek word that means above or on, like um, epidermis. So right. So it's it's things above your genes. Yep. Um, so it's it's things around your genes that actually cause your genes to act differently or, or express differently. And so if you think about your genes as you know. 25,000 odd different genes in every cell in your body. Think of them like light switches. You can switch them on or, or switch them off. And so the epigenetic factors, so things around the outside of the genes that aren't the genes themselves, cause genes to be switched on or off, which then causes your biology and physiology and biochemistry to be whatever it is at that particular point in time. And that changes. It changes regularly and it changes with the weather. It yep. changes with your exercise. It changes with your foods. It changes with your stress. It changes with your sleep, etc. So all these things around us are what we call epigenetic influences, like your sleep, your food, your mood, your stress, your activity, your health. 
these are all things that impact the way your genes are switched on or off, which impacts how you are and how you show up in a state of health or disease. 100%. So then it would be safe to say based on, and I know epigenetics is a, is a kind of uh, newer field uh, and we're beginning to understand it, but it would be safe to say then for those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s and, and we're told, well, that's just your DNA or that's just you're genetically that way. I don't know that we would necessarily say that's totally wrong, but it's only a half-truth. It's only right? part of the story. Only part of the story. And so you can change your gene expression. So even though you have genes that are there, and that's true, and um, in a different episode on this podcast, <laughs> so it's not 25 hours long, we'll, um, we'll go through and navigate maybe some, uh, some conversations about intelligence that yes. exists in our DNA that we haven't understood yet as humans. We call it junk DNA. Yep. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we're like, we don't know, we'll just call it junk. Yeah. Um, and we use like a very small percentage of our DNA for most of the stuff that we talk about, even with DNA. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff we've got to go on. That's another story for another day. But the concept of epigenetics um, at a very cellular level, deep things, we look at what happens inside of a cell uh, with epigenetics and we look at the different functions that influence the different factors of the genetic, uh, the genetic expression. From a bigger sense, which is more tangible and relevant for people, it is the things like it's the food you eat. actually changes genes. Weird. changes how you feel. It's the way you move your body. It's the amount of sleep Weird. you get. It's the amount of stress you're under. Um, it's even the way you think and use your mind and your genius, whether you're doing something that's in flow or something that's really challenging and difficult every day. Um, it's the way your mind works. It's whether I'm using my thoughts for, for good or thoughts to destroy myself. Yeah. Um, these are all things that impact our gene expression, which impact our state of health or disease. And so the first point, which we uncovered and realized quite early in the piece, was because we started in genetics, and this isn't against any genetic companies that are still doing what they're doing. I just understood the, f- the future will change a lot. Yep. Um, we run into the roadblocks of the limitations of genetics, which is it's your potential, right? So it doesn't tell us like if you're eight years old or 98 years old, it's going to tell you the same stuff. It's just your genes. It's going to tell you whatever it's going to tell you. It's going to tell you if it's like, you know, again, if it's 90 degrees outside or 40 degrees outside, it's just going to tell you the same stuff. So there's a whole bunch of different things where we're like, this is really limiting. It doesn't actually describe who you are right now or what you need right now at all, it describes what could be possible and in the ideal sense it might be possible, but it doesn't actually relate to that. And so we looked at um, expanding and extending on the genotype to then the phenotype. And the phenotype is the expression of your genotype. So the phenotype itself is what Shay uses to quantify you. And the phenotype is really simple. It's just you, how you look in the mirror and even how you think when you look in the mirror. That's your phenotype. So it's an expression of your genes, which he calls you right now. That could be different in a week or in a month. 100%. And year. that would be more accurate because that's not just describing your potential. It is describing your current expression of your genetics. Exactly. And that. that's where the imagery comes in. And that's This makes how a we, whole lot more sense to me. Then that's how we quantify the person is based on your gene expression right now because we're not as fussed about your genes. We're yep. more fussed about which genes you have active right now. Yes. Um, so that's that we actually make predictions with Shay on your genes without even taking genetic samples but that's another conversation for another day so um, that's what we start with is we start with a phenotype quantification and then from there we start to let the magic happen and unfold so we then understand about the epigenetic factors which is again the food or the sleep or the stress or environment activity environment climate all those sorts of things how they impact the phenotype that is in front of us and that then gives us a very clear understanding about that. And again, each phenotype, each person is unique and different. So Sebastian and Matt are both phenotypes and we are very different. And the climate affects you in a different way. Like you said, 
this weather isn't ideal for you, for me, it's absolutely ideal. I'm absolutely loving this weather. No, you're not alone. That's why there's 40 million people that <laughs> right. live here. <laughs> that's right. So, um, so that, that's just, again, a really clear understanding. But again, we could eat the same different foods or the same foods, for example, kale, and maybe that is really healthy for one of us <laughs> or not so good for another Or neither of us. Or, or neither of us. Uh, tomatoes cure cancer and cause cancer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hang on. We're, we're, what are we going about? Which is why so it's so tricky when somebody is like, oh, I don't eat any of these things. And then it's like, you shouldn't eat them either. It's like, well, maybe, right? Well, like this Tom, Tom Brady's diet got a lot of people going because he, he said tomatoes were, a, which he's right, they're in the nightshade family, right, which is an inflammatory, and so are peppers. It's like, well, maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me if I am. But I think based on what you're saying, for some people, tomatoes may be perfectly fine. Well, the lycopene right? and antioxidants might actually cure your cancer. Right. So why are you not having them? Oh, because I listen to a podcast. Oh, and Tom Brady's not having them. So which back. isn't anything against Tom Brady. It's just it works for him. doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And that's the problem with diets in general, right, is that there isn't a one-size-fits-all as far as I can tell. There's not. And that's, that's really like the reason why I would hope – for people to make good decisions with AI uh, is because I hold hope as opposed to do I believe it's going to happen anytime soon. It's the same when we look at things much lower down the chain than consciousness, we're looking at health, like physical health. And what foods should you eat? What, should, what diet should you have? What diet should I have? Well, the best we can do now in society still to this day, if you go online and search for stuff, you'll be bombarded by usually the, the highest paying ad <laughs> um, that's there. doesn't mean yeah. it's right or wrong for you, but <laughs> you'll get bombarded with a whole bunch of different diets from different people have tried. And again, everybody's doing their best. I'd, I, don't, I don't disagree with anyone's diet ever. I agree with every diet. I just say, but it's right for some people at that point in time. So find out which diet out of all those things is good for you and do that and then check in with who you are and do that. And so that's really the key here is to say, well, how do you know? How would you possibly know what diet is good for you to do? Should I do the juice fast? Should I do paleo? Should I do the keto? Should I do the banana diet? Like, what should I be doing? Right now, it's very trial and error. And what you're getting to is with Shay, it doesn't have to be so trial and error. Precision health. It's being able to quantify you and say, here's specifically the reasons why you should eat kale or not eat kale. And Shay does this right now, like down to the food, specific reasons, all evidence-based, all scientifically validated, why you should be eating something or not eating something. And that changes for now. When the weather drops, it changes. When you exercise more, it changes. When you sleep less, it changes. And so this is what we've kind of missed along the whole diet fad. And again, we haven't even figured that out as humanity yet, which is why it might be hard with consciousness because we're still just promoting our stuff because we make money from it. And usually the the genuine um, intention is great because, hey, I ate the banana diet. I ate just bananas. This isn't me. I'm just an example. (laughs) And it cured my cancer. Legitimately think. Yeah. Hey, I ate the paleo diet and it cured my cancer. Legitimate. Yeah. I ate the keto diet and it cured my cancer. Legitimate. So these are people who are having these life-changing experiences that do want to share it with the world, but they just don't have the awareness or the education that, hey, it's maybe not right for everybody. And and people kind of go about that in those ways. So and it, is it possible, uh, as you're saying this, I want, I, want, I want you to frame Shai for everyone in a second because we're, we're going to get deep into this, but is it also possible then that w- maybe what worked in one decade of your life wouldn't work in another? So like... Dave Asprey turned me on when it was just a blog. He was just literally blogging um, yak butter tea. And I got into Bulletproof Coffee, as he calls it. And I, you know, I got it from him, so I do as well. But I found keto as a whole has worked incredible for me for about eight, 10 years. Now it's a bit dodgy, and I don't know exactly why. Um, I feel like I need more carbs. I'm listening to my body. I'm pretty body aware. But I'm trying to find out where exactly I lie now. But I'm not getting the same result I used to. And I'm not exactly sure why yet. 
<clears throat> so I'm wondering if as you age or as your environment changes, and you are obviously answering this, your needs and your diet would change. But that would also mean don't get so stuck on something that you think because it worked in one season of your life that it's going to work for you in another season of your life. Exactly. I think you nailed it. There's not much more to add to that. It's just we're changing constantly. Yeah. And we're designed, Shay, to be aware of that and to actually support you in that. And so, for example, That's incredible. for the next three days, let's say you don't get much sleep, you're getting you know, four hours of sleep a night. You're highly stressed because you have to have these really difficult conversations with Matt on podcasts <laughs> and you decide to go for a 10-mile run every morning. That's who you are right now. So what's Shay going to recommend for you? Shay's going to be, Shay, Shay's in the back end. It could be going like, oh, Sebastian, what are you doing there, mate? Like, oh, you haven't slept, you're super stressed and you just decide to go on a run. That's a really stupid choice. What are you doing? <laughs> it's but, beeping at me on my watch. Yeah, Stop. Yeah, <laughs> but we won't choice. say that because of all these worthiness issues. So <laughs> we just won't mention it. Sebastian comes back. Hey, congratulations on your run. I've just added a banana to your smoothie breakfast for breakfast this morning so you can have more sustained energy throughout the day. Have a great day, Sebastian. I'm, I'm in love already. I so can't wait to meet you. this is how it's understanding the balance of all these different parts of who you are. And then let's say the next three days, you're sleeping like a baby, you're not stressed at all, and then you decide to sit on the couch and do nothing for the next three days. Shay's going to give you some nudges about, hey, Sebastian, if you, you know, let's think about moving your body right now to keep healthy. And hey, by the way, have a great day and we think you're amazing. So it's, it's just navigating what's real for you right now to rebalance these epigenetic factors because it's unrealistic. A lot of people get caught up in like all the specifics of things too much and it's really difficult and really hard and challenging. The body was designed to come back to homeostasis and equilibrium, right? Yes. So if you don't sleep much, great, what can you do? Well, you can actually change your foods a little bit to give you some more energy for that day. Yes. And when you get a chance to sleep more, that's great. You can rebalance that or activity, stress, all these sorts of things. So it's, it's about how we can actually rebalance these variables that are constantly every day. And we don't live in a bubble. We can't all eat this perfect thing, get our eight hours of sleep and do our stuff, which is actually different for everybody for sleep too. So we need to make sure we understand and quantify these things and can just have something that be there to support and guide to be like, hey, here's what you can do today. So you're, you're talking about what Shay does, and I'm already in love. It sounds like a female name, so it works for me. Can you just give us a... a what is Shay AI? What's the, the USP here? And then we're, we're going to sure. go into everything from there. So Shay is a brain. Shay is an intelligent brain, a super intelligent brain um, that's like a bunch of doctors, psychologists, geneticists, neuroscientists, and your best friend, essentially. So it's this brain that just knows it takes data in about you. Oh, I didn't sleep very well, you're a bit stressed, not eating well, not doing much exercise. takes that data in. And it's imagine if you had a round table of a whole bunch of these specialists sitting around saying, and they're all like, hey, had Sebastian just got back from his run. And I was like, oh, I did it again. Second in a row, what's he doing? Okay, what are we going to do? All right, we need to do this, this, and this. What are we going to show him right now? Like, oh, Sebastian's stressed again. Why is he stressed? Oh, now he's sad, sad. Okay, what are we going to do about him? Uh, send, him a, send him a funny cat video. Make him laugh right now for his conscious mind. Oh, wow, how's he feeling now? Oh, he's much happier. Great win. Second day in a row, sad again. Send him a different thing. Send him a, a tune from his uh, iTunes library that's going to peak his um his brain waves to actually be in a happier state great that worked again third day in a row you know he's, he's not happy he's sad again great so shay will fix or shay will send you uh, nudges and things to do in the moment to change your level of conscious um experience right now and your emotions so you're sad and then it will realize patterns to say hey sebastian realize that you've been sad quite a few times can i help with that and that's where the precision consciousness stuff comes in to say maybe you can work on some deeper things that are there underneath the surface. And is it determining this data through 
biometrics through just imagery or is it also inquiring and like checking in with you how are you feeling and you're saying i'm feeling sad i'm feeling happy or so, so or great. all of the above so the brain so that's the brain that's there just this intelligent thing that knows everything mm -hmm. uh, well knows everything that we know today i should say uh, <laughs> not everything a, which is a wild statement to it's, make anyway it's it's and, and we're talking about something this is just to be clear for the listeners we're not talking science fiction we're not talking about a hypothetical in the future this will exist we're this talking about something that is real operating right now, operation yeah okay. operational we've just tested this on 150,000 people over the last 5 years to see what the effect would be we we're a bunch of doctors and scientists that want to change the world. We, we're here for tech for good. We want tech to do good, good in the world and we want to empower people to be in charge of their own health, their own happiness. That's why we do what we do. And so we've been working on this tech for a long time to get to this point. We, we do things very well and very properly. So we've got, it's all evidence-based. It's all scientifically validated technology. And we've just proven that over the last five years. We've done scientific research throughout the whole lot. We've got um, studies that are coming out um, this year, actually. We've got um, studies that showed not just improvements but, but reversal of signs and symptoms of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, improvements in all wellness variables like sleep, stress, vitality. This is all against international gold standards. We've shown 86% improvement in mental health. That's stress, anxiety, and depression. 86%? In just 30 days with just a smartphone with AI. No doctors, no health coaches, no nothing. So this is what is possible right now with AI. This is what we've been testing thoroughly. Uh, we have a number of different ongoing studies with reputable universities right now with heart disease, diabetes, randomized control trials, uh, and some really interesting studies looking at predictions of genes that we make. I mentioned before, without taking a genetic sample, to predict from a phenotype, from a, a scan with a phone, what genes you even have, uh, and then how we go about that. So it's a really powerful for physical and mental health aspects and emotional health that's there. And the AI understands and can navigate that for you down to, here's a specific food you should eat and why through to here's how you're feeling and how I can change that, through to here's some patterns that we can actually support you with uh, in every every way and every, every stage of life. And this isn't available to the public yet? Not available to the public just yet. Yep. Um, so this has been part of the beta program. Yep. But um, we're, we've had a lot of interest, as you can imagine, yeah. <laughs> in what we're up to. Uh, and we have uh, a really, really great partnership uh, yeah, in, in many different ways that's coming to, to life. So um, I don't know when this podcast is, is going to be live, but um, I think people will be expecting to see it very soon. And it's Shade.ai, and I'm sure if you want to come along and check it out and have a play around with it yourself, you might just find it's uh, really, really empowering and insightful for you. Can you give us a few stories of people? You have, I think we talked, you're like close to a quarter million people on the platform in beta. Can you give me some of the stories that come to your mind immediately that's like, yep, that's why I do this? Like the big impacts even. And you've just shared some, but like very specific ones. Yeah, sure. I have one um, that comes to mind. We, yeah, <laughs> we shared with some before. It's, it's interesting. So, um, there's, there was a lady in part of our beta program that went through and she you know, had chronic migraines, headaches, uh, joint aches and pains, rosacea, which is like red blotchiness on the face. Um, so embarrassed, didn't go out in public, um, had seen every specialist, tried everything, uh, which is usually the people that come along. Um, and uh, she was kind of at her wit's end and said, sure, I'll try this thing. Um, she did Shay, went through Shay, and Shay works. So that Shay's the brain, but we actually have a really, cra a really crazy cool interface uh, that uses your smartphone. So any smartphone uses your smartphone camera to scan your body on the outside to understand your health on the inside. And we use about 16 different layers of science and medicine to quantify that, which we'll talk about maybe another time. But um, it's it quantifies your phenotype, understands, and we make predictions at that point in time about uh, everything from your deficiencies in vitamins and minerals and nutrients in your body uh, through to your brain regions that are most dominant and, and active through to hormones that are most uh, prevalent in your body 
So lots of very strong uh, correlations that we've done with all our data sets over all the years to be able to do that, to then understand who we've got that's there. And so this particular lady who was there, uh, Shay told her two things. One, you're living in an altitude that's too high. And two, you should stop eating kale. <laughs> and so you can imagine her response, which was immediately, uh, I grow my own kale in my back garden organically. It's the healthiest superfood that's out there. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I don't think should be stopping. Secondly, what the F <laughs> with attitude, <laughs> what's going with that? And she actually lived in a, a place in Idaho called Sun Valley. I don't know if many people have yeah. heard of it. Oh, yeah. And so she decided she... Beautiful ski resort, but at, at elevation to be sure. Yeah. Original response was, this is crazy ridiculous. And, and, and to be clear, she didn't know, didn't know anything about her, nothing her about nutritional it. activities. It wasn't like asked, like, what do you eat? So knew nothing about kale and didn't know anything about where she lived. Nothing. This is completely just AI driven. <laughs> And said those things, and so she's like, this is ludicrous. <laughs> we said, well, you've got two choices. Basically, you've got one, keep doing what you're doing, which hasn't worked for decades, and keep seeing all the specialists that don't have any answers, or two, try it. So she's like, fine, I'll try it. She tried it. She moved down from Sun Valley to Idaho, uh, to Boise mm -hmm. in Idaho uh, for the attitude, and she stopped eating a cow. And within, I think it was four days, her symptoms would start to clear up completely from her rosacea. And within, I think it was two to three weeks, all those symptoms were completely gone. <laughs> Headaches, migraines joint aches and pains, of blood, runny blood noses every morning, um, things that were there, changing her attitude and stopping eating her organic kale from her backyard. Incredible. So these are just the things that are almost impossible for us in medicine to now navigate through. As a doctor, I'm not a doctor, but as a doctor who I train lots of, you don't know what you don't know and there's yeah. just too much to know. Like you yeah. It's not physically possible for a human to know the things even if you're great at internal medicine, as a GP, you have to know a lot about everything and a little bit about everything. Sorry, not a lot about anything, but a little bit about everything. So it can be first port of triage. I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not a geneticist. I don't even have time or anything to study any of those sorts of things, but people expect that. And I don't actually learn much about health either. I do a couple of hours on nutrition in my whole degree. Yeah. But you're asking me, expecting me to give you a, a diet to do to change your health circumstances. I can give you a drug probably. Yeah. I can't give you a diet. Yep. Doctors are amazing doing the best they can. That's what they know, right? So it's not for us to blame doctors for being the problem, which a lot of people do. It's just to say our whole system is the reason why we are where we are, which we talked about before. 100%. So it's it's so empowering for this person. And there's so many. I mean, we've got so many you know, thousands, tens of thousands of examples like that where people have just had their lives completely changed from things <laughs> that you just don't know about, mine included. That's just, that's a wild one, right? Because no idea where she lives, no idea what her diet is, pulls up these two seemingly random things that, no offense to any doctor out there, but I highly doubt that's two things any doctor is trying to consider. And then she discloses, yeah, I eat kale as part of my, my diet. I grow my own freaking kale and I live at elevation. So th this is incredible. And I, I think the, the age we're living in is, it, you know, we're talking about augmentation or transhumanism. We kind of touched on just quickly through. To me, I don't look at AI as replacing humans, but augmenting and supporting what our potential could be. Right? And we don't have to know everything. And I, I think we live in an age where it's not so much what you know, but what you do with what you know. And, and I think of, when I hear what you're saying, to me, one of my favorite Marvel characters is Iron Man, right? And, and Jarvis is an augmentation of his intelligence. It helps him make better decisions, informs him of better decisions. He makes, it's, he, the, Jarvis gives him the information to make the best decision, right? And we'll recommend things, of course, and it's a very witty expression. But I think... AI at its best is like Jarvis. It simply augments our human experience and helps us make better decisions with better data. 
Uh, so I love this. This is super exciting. Maybe this is a, a, a question you can't answer yet, and fair enough you can't, but when do you anticipate this is going to be more readily available to the public, or what is your goal with AI? For those listening going, oh, my God, this could change my life, like how long are we waiting? Yeah, well, it'll, it'll either be out end of this year or early next year, so very soon. Um, and if you're listening and you want to be involved in the, the, pro, the beta program or if you want to sign up for the waiting list, please do go there. Um, our vision for this is... At shayai.com? Shay.ai. Shay.ai. S-H-A-E dot A-I. Shay.ai. And our vision for this is to, to literally empower every human on the planet to know what is right for them to be healthy and happy. Really simple, really easy. Extremely powerful technology, as you probably heard about you know, in the conversations today. To know that because, again, we've been programmed with kale as a superfood. It's good for you. Tomatoes, you know, it's... It's a, new, it's a new era. <laughs> it's not about the food, people. It's not about the food. We went through the era where these foods are great and here's all the properties for them. It's about how does that food work for your unique body? Yes. How does it get processed? Yes. And what does that mean for you and your health and your physiology and how that actually functions based on your biological basis or your constitution for where you start? So it's just a different conversation and you really need to have technology to guide you because it's, it's almost impossible. Even seeing great functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, they're not experts in genetics. They're not experts in neuroscience. They're not experts in beliefs. And like, yeah. it's so hard following for someone all of to those be things. across everything. And they're not following you every day to say, you just went for a run, you didn't sleep well, what should I do? It's just too hard in today's society when we're pulled in all different di directions to not have a Jarvis or a Shay that's here to say, just, just to, share, share, to, sorry, to share words with you, to share insights with you and to actually give information to bring awareness, but also be proactively supporting and guiding. One of the big things that I'll share about just to, to touch on how powerful that is, when we started to quantify people and actually track and measure the different phenotypes, we realized so much that the behaviors that are there are very, the, um, the tendencies and tendencies for people that are similar to each other are so powerful. It's, they're not always the same, but they're very powerful to understand. And so we're actually now with Shay able to make predictions. So when um, Sebastian goes through and just scans his body with a smartphone, Shay will already know at that point just from a smartphone scan, if you're likely, it'll already know first and foremost the thing that's going to be the most effective for you to change your current state of health, which may be your diet, but it may not be. It may be your activity, it may not be. It may be your stress, it may not be. It may be your sleep, it may not be. And it may be some components of all those things put together. So first and foremost, it's so powerful to know if I have diabetes or heart disease, it's my diet. Or diet's not going to have much of an impact. This is really, really yeah. powerful information. But the most powerful thing I think of it is it knows about you and behaviors that you're likely to do. So it will know that Sebastian will be, oh, I'm all in for this and I'll follow up for three days and then I'm not going to do it again. Or know that Sebastian will not follow at all, <laughs> period. It's solving or, for the human, or, which is incredible. Or it'll know that Sebastian will follow it to a T, but he won't unless he has the science These and the conditions. evidence and the credibility that's yeah. there and he believes in it before he'll even take a step. And there's so many different variations of this that are barriers for us as humans to take steps or if we take a step to continue with something to go with it, this is what Shay does. So Shay changes language, tone, pitch, timing. It will speak to you in different ways. Every single person gets spoken to in different ways at different times, in different ways Wild. to engage you before you even realize how you can engage so that you can actually change habits and behaviors. And the studies I mentioned before, we track people over four years. So this wasn't just a quick study. We track people over four years to show reversals of heart disease, diabetes, we showed 86% improvement in cholesterol, 72%, 72 or 76% improvement in hypertension. Incredible results that were there over four years. So this is 
not just a flash in the pan. This is sustainable behavior change, which is kind of the holy grail that people are looking for. It, right it, it is the holy grail, right? What, what we're talking about is a multidisciplinary approach to healthcare where you're incorporating the best of what we know in, in a whole bunch of fields, in some cases disparate fields, to drive human behavior towards a positive result. It's not just take this, do this. It's an accounting for the human. You're solving for the human part. So you're, we're talking about personalized medicine, personalized nutrition, talked about uh, personalized spirituality or consciousness. Uh, this is incredible. I mean, the, when I hear stuff like this, this is a, affirms my belief that the future is bright, that there is a, a beautiful world that's being created and that AI is going to be part of the solution, not the problem. It's, it's so true. And, th and there's a lot of people out there that are doing great things in that direction. Like everybody in our organization is just heart-led, mission-focused people that want to change the world. And there's so many incredible organizations like that out there there's a lot of hope for us and my hope and wish again is that everybody can actually choose those really great conversations no matter where you are no matter how much you're suffering and, and one of the things you mentioned before was it's so important to meet people where they're at that's what Shay's yes. literally designed to do because some people just don't know how to even eat properly some people don't, aren't even aware of the negative impact bananas are having on them um some people like and some people they need to have bananas in their diet so it's literally true like some people bananas will cause digestive issues other people, they need it for the tryptophan to convert into the um, to the um, serotonin that's going to cause them to be happy and not stressed or depressed. Like it's yeah. it's so like vast. The one thing, the food or the activity or the exercise or the stress or can cause and impact people's lives. But there's just there's hope for everybody out there, and we just really want to meet people where they're at. Have you know, Shay, just give you some guidance, give you some advice to really change your life in whatever it looks like for you. Whether it is something on a physical level, whether it's something you do with. We talk about um, two different groups of people being sick and smart and there's no labels that we use here or in a derogatory way. It's a lot of people having a lot of issues with health um, and probably a lot of people listening to this would be like, oh, I've got everything from either I'm low in mood, tired, have digestive issues, through to I have diabetes, heart disease, cancer, whatever it might be, um, through to the, you know, the people who are a bit more conscious and in tune with that, but hey, I just don't feel good and you know, my mood's not great or you know, I don't know why, but I'm just not happy in life. There's so many things that, that can be helped. Um, and it just starts with awareness. And that's what Shay can bring is just awareness to you. Mm. And some people, which is, so it's a sick group. Some people are smart group, which is like, oh, I'm already healthy. I'm already pretty in tune. I already eat well, active. It's like, cool. But I want to know how can I live to be 150? Yeah. <laughs> how do I use my gene expression to my advantage? What things can I do to be like fully in flow and fully vibrant? How do I take this to the next level? Where do I get my one or two percenters from? Um, how do I get to that point? So this is, Shay's got the ability to, to work. We work with Olympic athletes and, and high-performance athletes all the way through to people with, with chronic disease. Um, it's just got the potential to help everybody in some way. Um, and my wish would be everybody could at least try and be aware of what's there. Even if they never looked, just go and check Shay out so at least you can get some information. Um, but we really believe it's going to empower people in a, a brand new way in the world and, and bring this new era that we've talked about to fruition, hopefully a little bit quicker than what it could be otherwise. Mm, I love it. Well, this has been incredible. I think we're two and a half hours in. We're going to have to have a part two because we could easily go for another two and a half hours. I have a, a number of questions that I still want to get to, but uh, we'll hold it for another time. I appreciate you so much uh, for coming on. Where can people find you? Where can people find more out about Shay? Anybody wants to get involved or interested? Where can, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, sure. You can find out about me on mattreeman.com, which is R-I-E-M-A-N-N, for those who don't know the, uh, the Australian spelling, um, <laughs> and uh, on any of the social channels, usually Matt underscore Reeman. That's there, and uh, Shay Shay.ai is uh, the best place to go for that. There's a lot of things that you'll see out there about Shay. There's a lot of applications that we're doing across the board, through from 
schools and helping children understand their different learning capacities and abilities through their behavioural tenancies, um, through to, you know, helping parents and family dynamics, corporate wellness. Like there's a lot of application for this uh, that you'll probably find out there, but uh, Shade.ai would be a great place to start and, uh, and learn more. Awesome. Incredible. Well, I've enjoyed our time and I look forward to part two. Thanks so much, Sebastian. Appreciate your time. <laughs>